0: I hope you've got your Bibles with you tonight. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll look at that in just a moment. Uh, Before we get into that, since this is the last night that I will be here right now, I want to take just a moment to express uh, my appreciation for the opportunity to be here and my time together with you. I want to say thank you to these young men sitting up front. They've done an outstanding job all week. They have paid close attention. You parents, none of them have been sleeping. So that's good. You guys have been awake the whole time. So you get thumbs up from the preacher. For the way you behaved this week. There you go. That's it. Um, second of all, it's been a joy to be with all of you again. Uh, this is my third time that I've been with you. And uh, every time you have been incredibly kind. And I appreciate the work that all of you are trying to accomplish here. And I pray that God will bless you. And perhaps more importantly, that you will follow God and continue to follow God. Uh, it's been wonderful. I appreciate so much those of you have been kind enough to... Um, take me out and spend time with me, and uh, I've just enjoyed getting to know several of you better over the years. Uh, It's been great to be with the Bellwoods. At mom and dad's house, there's one of those denim jackets with the fleece, the like wool stuff right there, and um, it's not mine, but every time I go down there during the winter months, if I've got to go outside, that's the jacket I go to. It feels so good and so right, and even though I don't wear it all the time, it feels so natural when I put it on, and you're saying, where is that going with the Bellwoods? Um, I don't see the Bellwoods all the time, but every time I see them, it's like, for me, no time has passed, and it just feels very natural, and I've enjoyed so much spending the, the last several days with them, and little Sophia. I mean, I just I kept sending uh, pictures of her to my little girls and my my big girls, and they were just oohing and eye over her, and they were going like, "Bring her home!" Um, that's kidnapping, girls. We can't do that. <laughs> but uh, little Sophia is just uh, she's a wonderful little girl, and I know that she will appreciate how God has blessed her as she gets older, as she understands what God has done for her. So they're uh, a blessing, and Josh and Kathy. Um, uh, Tiffany. And his mom, too. Okay. Um, I've known Josh over the years here and there. Um, but this has been the first time I've had to really be around him. When he was doing a lot of pulpit fill-in work, um, he really had a good reputation as being a, a really good, um, engaging preacher. And uh, he's with you guys now. Um, we obviously don't have the same fashion sense. Um, he has the reversed hairstyle of mine. <laughs> I mean, it's really irritating when I see people with that hairstyle. It's like they're flaunting it. <laughs> I'll shave everything else off but leave it up there. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> but um, I've enjoyed my time with him, and um, he's he is a he's a thought provoking young man and his his love for the Lord as a parent, and let me just tell you in our conversations his love for you as a parent um, and the I mean preachers get up there and tell congregations, "I love you, and it 's important for you to hear that from them, but it, I think it's also important for you to hear it from someone that they 've been talking to that they didn't have to say it to. Um, they love you, and they love working here, and they love the the potential this congregation has so I've just enjoyed this time over the last several days and pray that God will continue to bless all of you and of course it's great to see the Gwens again I've known them because of um, Steve Gwynn Adam's father is one of our elders and I think the world of the Gwynn family and I know that they're a blessing to all of y'all so that's what I wanted to tell you as we get into our lesson this evening we've been talking about service I'll, I'll just throw this out here if you've been listening to these sermons on service, if you're not thinking about how you can serve the Lord better, either I haven't done my job or you haven't done your job. One of us has dropped the ball here because this is straight out of the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul said this, For we are His workmanship, God the Father, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You understand what that text is saying? That text is telling us that the reason why God made us is so that we could do good works. That is our purpose, beloved. We were made for that very function. You and I were not made to pursue our own interest. We were not made to pursue our own hobbies. It's fine to have your own interests. It's fine to have your own hobbies. But Paul states very clearly under inspiration that our primary purpose is to serve God. To tell you this. If you don't figure that out in life, you will not have a fulfilled life. The only way you and I can ever have a life that is worth living is when we begin to grasp what services are when we start giving ourselves over to God in service. So we're going to leave in just a little while, and these lessons are just going to be, I hope, ruminating in your head because they're ruminating in mine again. I've reminded myself of some areas where I've dropped the ball a little bit that I need to pick that ball up and I need to run with it more in serving God, serving my fellow Christians, serving my fellow man. Service is where it's at. Now... Your Bible is open to Ephesians. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to get into the lesson in a roundabout way. Verse 4. Paul wrote, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now the first part of that verse is very interesting. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. What does that mean? And I think what it means is... Paul is saying you need to make sure you discipline your children well and you instruct them, or else you may provoke them to anger. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe with your parents or maybe with a boss, where they've gotten mad at you because you did something, but they didn't fully explain to you how to do it? And that makes you kind of mad inside, right? Because you didn't take the time to instruct me And now I'm getting in trouble. That's what happens to kids. If fathers don't instruct their children and discipline them and let their children know what's expected of them on a consistent level, then those children start becoming angry because, what do you want out of me? Now, we're not talking about raising children tonight. But I bring this up because in some ways, as we study the issue of service Brethren can be provoked to anger. There are some brethren. This is true in every church. There are some brethren that they don't serve very much. And I don't have names here, by the way, so I'm I'm not pointing anyone out. I'm just saying every church has people, they just come and they don't do anything. And what you want is, in lessons like this, to sort of motivate them to start thinking, hey, what can I do? But one of the frustrating realities is the target that is most often hit in lessons like this are not the people who need to do more, but the target that is hit are the people who are doing a lot already. And they start feeling guilty. And they start feeling overwhelmed. And they start wondering, how much more can I give? And so that's the comparison I make with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. That it's easy for Christians who are teaching classes, and they're cutting the grass, and they're visiting. It's easy for them to just feel like, I've got to do more then. Well, I've got to step up, and I've got to serve more. But in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I can't do much more. They start getting mad, and angry, and discouraged. The last thing I want to do with the lesson, a series of lessons like this, is discourage people. What I do want to do is encourage you. So there's a fine line that I'm trying to walk here. And that is to push you, as I push myself, to serve more. And yet, if you are serving, not to overwhelm you. For those people who could do more, to recognize your relationship with God and your relationship with this church could be so much deeper. And yet, for some people who can't do anything right now, not to throw any added burden and provoke them to anger. So tonight, I want to talk about balancing this whole thing. And just how, if you're trying to serve, but you've got work that you're doing, and you've got a full-time job, or you've got children you're trying to deal with... And on one hand, you wish you could do more, but on the other hand, you really honestly can't deal with anything. I want to talk to you tonight about just doing what you can do and finding peace with that. Let's open our Bibles now to Matthew chapter 25. I want to begin with the parable of the talents and draw out some principles and some applications from that. Matthew chapter 25. We are all familiar with the parable of the talents. I'll read through it again just to sort of catch us up. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. Jesus said, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I made five talents more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I uh, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here, I've made two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's a powerful parable. That's a text that ought to cause us to stand back and say, what are we supposed to take from that? Let me just give you a couple of of principles that I see in this text. As you look at the story, you find, first of all, the master gave talents to everybody. All of his servants received some talent. As we start listening to this and applying it to our lives, the master who's going away is God the Father, Jesus Christ, and we're the servants. You have some talent and you have some ability in the kingdom of God. You may have five talents. You may have two talents. You might be a one-talent person. But you've got some ability. I think sometimes we start comparing ourselves to other people and go, well, I I can't do what Josh does, or I can't teach as well as this person can, or I can't lead singing as well as this person can. I can't teach the children the way Sister so-and-so can. So, I just don't, I can't do anything. And that's just not true. Everyone has some ability. You may not be able to do as good of a job as someone else. But you've got an ability. And you've got a talent. God has given you that so that it can be used in His service. And there are varying amounts that are given. Again, five talents, two talents, and one talent. This is not a place where everyone is equal in what we can do. Some people can do more, some people can do less. Third thing, these talents are to be used for God's purposes. The Master, when he gave these, he intended for these men to use these talents, the talents here are money, for his business, to grow his business, for his purposes. You and I, when we start evaluating what our talents are, we need to understand those talents are there primarily to be used by God. i may benefit from those talents in some way but the primary one who those talents are to be given to is God. Okay, So God blesses he gives in varying degrees and he gives for his own purposes and there's going to be some accountability at some point. All of these servants came to the point where the master came back and when the master came back he wanted to see what they had done with him. So you step back and we see this God's people have been entrusted with various gifts given by our Master to accomplish His purposes. Now, a couple of applications here. First of all, everybody can do something in the service of God. There's not a single person here who's a Christian who can't do anything. Now, we tell ourselves that because... We can't do as much as someone else. So I'm just not that important to this congregation. If nothing else, when you show up, you encourage your brothers and sisters. I know as Christians get older, it's difficult to get out. But I'll tell you, when I see older Christians, or Christians who are struggling with health problems, when I see them show up, that sure encourages me. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you. If you can't come, you can't come. That's fine. But on those days when you get up and you're thinking, oh, I could go, oh, maybe I want to stay in bed, but no, I think I can go today. Let me just tell you, you're doing something good. So everybody can do something in the service of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, Paul talking about the Christian and the body and the way God puts us within the body. We are told, but now God has set the members, listen to this, each one of them in the body just as He pleases. So it doesn't matter who you are, there is something that you can do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, again, using this idea of the body, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Do you hear every there? No one's exempt. No one is a talentless Christian. Everybody has at least one talent. You've got one. Your role and my role is to discover what those talents are. Second of all, again, all people aren't required to do the same thing. Uh, Isn't that good? Isn't that encouraging? If you get up here and preach sometime, don't be upset if you can't preach the way Josh does. And if you're teaching and you're inexperienced and, and there's a better teacher, don't be upset about that. There's a song that we sing sometimes, We Are One. One of the lines is, When you serve where I cannot, I rejoice in what God's planned. So selfless. I'm not mad at you because you can do something I I can't do. I'm glad that God gave you that ability and I can benefit from that. Again, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And by the way, again, God is doing this. When, when I first started preaching, I, you know, there's the evangelical idea that God calls preachers, you know, in the middle of the night. and um, Someone say, you know, did you get a calling? No, oh, no, no, I didn't get a calling. I'm preaching because I chose to preach. And then, of all things, I started reading the Bible. (laughs) And I start reading passages like that. And I begin to realize that I'm preaching because I'm submitting to what God wants me to do. It wasn't just my choice. Josh is doing the same. Any service that you do, you're doing it because you are submitting to God. And I believe from passages like this, God puts people where he wants them to be. Now, that's that's an eye-opening concept because that means he's aware of each one of us and he wants us to be somewhere. He wants you to be somewhere. Now, then the question is, am I going? I don't want to keep you up at night. So, all of us are not required to do the same things, but we can do something. Here's a third application. And this this one's really wonderful. God does not expect anything more out of you than you can give. Five-talent man. What did God want out of him? Five talents, right? God came in with five more. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Two-talent man comes up. I've got two more. He didn't say, uh, why didn't you bring me five? Your partner over here, he brought five. Why didn't you do five? No. Came in with two. Well done. How many talents do you think the one-talent man needed to bring to satisfy his master? This isn't rocket science. <laughs> one. You see the point? I, I, does that not lift a load off your shoulder? God is not over you just going, more, more, more. I'm just like squeezing us like we're lemons and just squeezing everything out of us. No, no. God knows who we are. He knows what we can do. And the only thing He wants out of you is what you can do. That's it. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You don't think that they're the standard here, that I've got to somehow live up to that standard. No. God knows what we can do, and He blesses us, and He just expects us to do what we can do. Now, this is important. (laughs) This changes from different stages in life. So, um, if you're not married, Josh and I were talking about this today. If you're not married, um, you can do more in the kingdom of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, Paul talks about that there are some people who are married, and they've got to be concerned about their spouse, and God understands that. But there are other people who aren't married, and they can give themselves more to the kingdom, and they can do more in service. Okay? There are people who are married, but they're young, and maybe their career's going well, but they can spend a lot of time with their brethren, and that's wonderful. And then kids come along. And I can tell you, having been married to a woman who is just juggling a bunch of kids, it's tough. Alright? I know, you know, us, those of us guys who work, we don't really think about how big of a deal it is for a mother. It's a big deal. And what do churches end up doing? We do it at Douglas Hills. I'm sure you guys do it. We throw the teaching of these classes onto these mothers who are already juggling everything. And they're visiting people and they're making meals for someone and it's really difficult. Okay? So, if you're in that stage of your life, you might not be able to do as much. That's okay. That's okay. Life is busy. Some of you guys are in the middle of your career right now and things are hectic and maybe you've got to dial things back. You're still going to worship God. You're still going to do some things, but maybe you can't do as much as you once did. You want to and you will again, but at this season of your life, you can't do as much. That's okay. But maybe you're at the point in your life where you don't have as many commitments. Time is freer. Maybe you need to step in. And maybe you need to start doing more. I think I see this illustrated in the life of the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 1, verses 24 through 25, he said this. And it seems, as you read through the text, that God had given him a choice. You know, Paul, you've done a lot in the kingdom. You can come on home if you want, or you can stay. And Paul said, I am hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless... To remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and join the faith. So Paul answers it. But you, you see what he's saying? Paul's saying, right now, I've got more to give. Right now, I can help you more. And I think I've decided I'm going to be busy helping you more. But at the close of his life, after he had been imprisoned, he was tired. He said something pretty different. In 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, he said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see the difference there? I mean, in the second one, Paul's tired. He's he's left it all on the field. In the first one, he's thinking, No, I, I think there's another area where I can serve in the latter, when it's, I'm past that point. I've done what I could. I've fought the good fight. And all I'm saying here is we're, we all have to evaluate in our lives where we're at and what we can do. We may not all do the same thing at every moment in time. And that's okay as long as you're doing something. Because ultimately, God expects all to do what they can in His service, however much or however little. So again, if you got one talent... You evaluate yourself and you honestly say, I'm just a one-talent person. That's fine, but don't console yourself and think that you can't do anything. God wants that talent. He made you. He made me for good works. He made us to do something, and God's going to want it. Ephesians 4, verse 16 again, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Everyone is part of this. No one is exempted from this. So, let's get very practical. How can I know if I'm doing what I can do? There's no meter that you can run over someone to say, you know, well, you need to work a little harder in this area. This is all going to be individual. I've got to evaluate myself. You've got to evaluate yourself. Uh, Because one day God's going to evaluate us. And that's a big deal. So how can I know? just give you a couple of suggestions as we wrap things up tonight. Number one. Check your motivation. If you're going to do something in service to the Lord, check your motivation. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Sadly enough, some people do what they they are doing because they want to be seen. Jesus addressed this in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, take heed that you did not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed... Do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from me. And assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Don't do what you do so that other people can see what you do. Make sure that you do what you do because you are seeking to please God. In Acts chapter 5, there's a story about two Christians in the early church, Ananias and Sapphira. Um, they saw a guy give a lot of money over. And the apostles were so impressed when he gave that money, they called him Barnabas, son of encouragement. And they decided they wanted in on that action. They wanted to be noticed. And so they sold property. They kept some for themselves, but they said, hey, we want to give this money over. And they said, is that all? Oh, this is all. (laughs) We're just giving it all, just like Barnabas over there. And, well, wrong. (laughs) You're not. And they were both struck dead because they were doing it for the wrong reason. We need gospel preachers, but we don't need grandstanders. We need men to lead singing and lead prayers, but we don't need people to do these things so they will get attention. We need people who are going to teach, and we need people who are going to make casseroles for someone else. We need brethren who are going to go and cut the grass of a brother or sister in need. But we don't need people who are going to do it just so everyone can sing their praises. So check your motivation and make sure you're doing what you're doing so that God is glorified. In Matthew 5 verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Do things so that people see you. But that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So check your motivation. Number two, push yourself. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10, the writer said this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Start identifying what you think you're good at. And and probably the best place to start is just looking at your life. Um, Are you a good singer? Well, then you can lead singing if you're a guy. If you're a good salesperson, probably a chance you can talk to people about the gospel. Not that you're selling, but you're trying to persuade something. So don't say if you're a salesperson, oh, I couldn't teach someone else the gospel. That's kind of your job, right? You're trying to teach people something all the time. So that's sort of your wheelhouse. Um, if you're uh, a good cook, then make something. You say, well, that I mean, that's really, is that something spiritual I can do for someone? Yeah. If you are good around the house, let people in the church know, hey, you got plumbing problems, give me a call. I'll come help you. And you're serving your fellow saint when you do that. So start identifying those areas in your life that you're good at, but then start pushing yourself. Grow. Josh would probably tell you this. Anyone who serves will tell you this more than likely. I would not be preaching right now. If I were not encouraged to do that by a preacher that we had when I was 17 years old. And he didn't even tell me. He didn't ask me. He didn't say, hey Mark, would you preach? For me?" He just said, I'm gone in two weeks. You're preaching. Uh, okay, I'm a 17 year old kid. Okay. I, I wouldn't have volunteered for it. But I did it. And I survived. And, and it, whatever the work is that you do. Push yourself. Maybe some of you young, young guys, try leading singing. It may bomb, okay? But try it, okay? Try teaching a class. If you want to teach, but I'm not sure how good of a teacher I am, get with an older teacher. Get with a more experienced teacher. And say, hey, would you work with me? Would you teach with me? Because I want to become a better teacher. There's nothing wrong with us wanting to be used in the best way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, he's talking about all these spiritual gifts. And he said, earnestly desire the higher gifts. He says, and I will show you a more excellent way, and that's love. But I want you to notice, he's saying there's nothing wrong with desiring high gifts. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be used in the maximum way that you can be used. So push yourself in your service. Ask yourself, what are your natural abilities? Number three, after you do that, be realistic and accept your limitations. Again, there are limitations. We're all going to have limitations. Sometimes people say, well, we can always do more, right? You know, I get this. Whenever we talk about, I talk about service, there is someone who's going to come to me and go, well, we can always do more. Uh, I mean, that's a crushing statement. In some ways, ideally, yes, we can always do more. If you abandon your family and your job and your other obligations, you could live up here all the time. But realistically, there's a limit. I like to say that we're like a pat of butter. You know, you put a piece of toast in the toaster in the morning, and it pops out, and you get a pat of butter. What do you do? You start spreading over the toast. But that butter has its limits, right? Pretty soon that butter, it it can't go any farther. And that's the way we are. We can serve and we need to do a lot of things. But there is a limit and you don't need to feel guilty over that. And my goal in this series is not to make you feel guilty. Not trying to beat you over the head and go more, more, more. I'm trying to say you need to leave it all on the field, but you leave what you've got on the field. Because beloved, there's going to be a day coming when we're going to stand before God and we can't serve him anymore then, N- not here it'll be a whole different realm if we make it but this is this is the football field okay? this is where the game is played, and this is where we leave it okay? but understand you've got limits and if you're a young mother and someone comes to you and they say... We need someone to teach the three-year-old class. Can you do it? And you're just swimming right now to stay alive. Between everything at home, you don't need to feel bad if you have to say at this moment, no, I can't do that. And brethren, we don't need to make people feel guilty if if they're they can't do something. Okay? And we want to push them and encourage them. But sometimes there's just so much someone can do. So, be realistic, accept your, your uh, limitations. It's so a great example of this back in the Old Testament. You don't have to read, you don't have to go back to this. I'm going to move through it so we can pull this together. Exodus chapter 18. Moses is leading about three million people. Hey, three million people. One man. And he is worn, slapped out. Every day, people are coming to him. They've got a dispute with this person over here and this tribe over there. And they're bringing it all to Moses. And Moses is there. He's just there. And Moses' father-in-law comes to him. Why do you think Moses' father-in-law came to him? Because his wife is saying, I don't ever see Moses. I mean, I'm glad Moses is taking care of the people. But what about his home? What about me? So Jethro comes up and says, hey, look. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but what you're doing is not good. You can't do this. So let me tell you what you need to do. You need to appoint 70 men who are going to help you in this task. That was Moses. If Moses had limitations, we're going to have our limitations. So just do what you can do. In Mark chapter 14, verses 6 through 8, there's a story of a woman who came to Jesus and she began to anoint his feet with this precious perfume. And the apostles were pretty angry with her. They said, you know, this could have been sold and given to the poor. They weren't interested in the poor. But Jesus' reaction to her was wonderful. Jesus didn't say, really, that's the best you can do? I've got all these other people following me. You think that you're going to come and just put some stuff on my feet and and that's okay? That's what the apostles were doing. Jesus didn't do that. But Jesus said, when the apostles were, were talking about her, Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. She has done what she could that a beautiful phrase? And she wasn't going around preaching. She wasn't going around praying and, and bringing people up with her prayers. She was putting a little perfume and oil on the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, that's okay. That's fine. She's done what she could. Maybe it's one talent. Maybe it's five talents. Jesus said, that's okay. So I really want you to grasp this as we close this. God's not over you trying to drain everything out of you. But God wants you to give Him what you can. What you can do. And when you do that, that's okay with God. He's fine with that. And in fact, when brethren may ya-ya around you and talk about, well, they don't do as much as this person over here does, you just need to know that more than likely Jesus is saying, you've done what you could. And he accepts us. Number four, last one, we close the lesson. Now you just got to do something. Okay. Um, we're good at planning and saying, oh, I need to, I need to. I need to do this. I I need to um, volunteer to teach a class. I need to make sure that I follow up with Sister so-and-so and see what I can do for her. I've done that so many times, so many times. Um, and then I don't do it. And we're probably all guilty of that. I need to. I'm going to do that. And then we just forget. So this is where we leave everything. Everything we talked about. Looking at God as our servant and serving Him and following after Him. You just got to find something and decide you're going to do it. Young, old, single, married, children, whatever. Just do something. Start somewhere. Whoever pulls together the duty roster, go to them and say, hey... I think I'm going to try leading singing. Can you put me in a Wednesday night, or whoever pulls together the teacher list? If you'll put someone in there with me, I think I'm going to try this teaching thing. Put someone older and experienced in. I think I'm going to try that. Okay. Someone is is hungry. Someone needs a ride. Okay. Um, I'll tell you one of my frustrations at Douglas Hills. Sometimes we've got several people who need rides. Okay. They're old, they're handicapped, whatever. And they just need a, they need a ride to come to worship services. And sometimes it's like Sunday after Sunday, we need people to volunteer, we need people to volunteer. And, and I've said something about this. What? Everybody's got cars. Why is it? That we're having a hard time finding people who will go pick up someone so they can come to church services. I I, I don't get it. it. It gets better. It's not as bad as it was once was. I don't get that. Okay. So maybe there's somebody here who needs a ride. If you got a car, hey, I'll pick them up. When it says, "Sister so and so sick." I can fix them something, or I'll buy them something. KFC's around the corner, right? You get a whole meal for 20 bucks, right? You know? So maybe you're busy, and you can't fix a meal, but you say, hey, I can go buy, I got 20 bucks. I can go buy a meal for my brothers, my brother or sister in Christ, right? So just do something. Just figure it out. If you you need help, talk to an older man or an older woman here and say, what do you think I could do around here? I'm pretty sure they can tell you there's something that you can do. So I leave you with this. What would happen at Lakeside if every member used their talents? Five, two, one, whatever. What would happen here if every Christian did what they can do? Young, old, rich, poor, married, single, whatever. God would serve you. You would serve God. The lost would be taught. Brethren would be helped. And the world would be helped. And in all that, God would be glorified. Isn't that what we're supposed to be here for? So, I just want to encourage you. As I leave here... And you guys continue to go forward. I don't want you to remember me. I want you to remember the messages. I want you to take up the challenge of service that God lays before us. And I want to encourage you to have a meaningful life. A life that impacts someone else. I can think of saints that have gone on. Betty Haynes. Hank Couchman, Ed Byers, D Byers. I can think of so many saints that have gone on, and the only reason I remember them is because they were servants. And they are near and dear to my heart. I hope you'll find someone who is endeared to you by your service. And more importantly, God wants that. God wants you to have a life that's meaningful. Just a cup of cold water. Just a cup of cold water. A kind word to lift someone up and encourage them when they're down. An arm around the shoulder when they need it. Those are the things heaven are made of. That's what eternity is all about. Let's bow our heads. Our Father, as we conclude this time with one another... It is our prayer that we will serve you and be used in your kingdom for your glory. What stops us oftentimes from such service is our own willfulness, our own selfishness, our own uh, self-will. We pray that we will break that. And if we will not, we ask for you to break that in us. So that we can live a life that pleases you and a life that has purpose, and meaning to it. Thank you for churches like this church, the opportunities that you give us to be involved in the lives of our fellow saints. Give us peace, dear Father, when we cannot do more. Give us a desire to do more when the time comes. Help us to grow to love you and see you as one who is over us to protect us and to love us and not beat us down. Help us to do good. Bless this church. Bless them as they work hard to take care of one another as they try to have a positive impact within the community. Bless them as they go through the process of selecting elders. And we pray to your Father that you will help them to give themselves more over to you. Bless us all, all of us, in your service. We ask in your son's name. Amen. Well, if you want to be a servant and you're not a Christian yet, then you need to step out into the field. You need to become a Christian this evening. If you're ready to confess the name of Jesus Christ and follow Him, the water's ready and your sins can be washed away. If you are a child of God and you haven't been serving the way that you should, um, make that change tonight. It can be between you and God. You don't have to come forward. If you want to, that's fine. But just tell God, I want to do more. I want to be of greater use. Put me where you want me. We can help you in any way. We invite you to come now while we stand, while we sing for your encouragement.